0: Hello, and welcome to an exclusive podcast from VJ Hemonk, an open access online video journal providing you the latest updates in hematological oncology. Developments of targeted therapeutic agents and immunotherapies are changing the landscape of AML, and today we'll be hearing from three leading experts who will update us on the use of novel antibody drug conjugates, checkpoint inhibitors, and targeted therapies in AML, as discussed in this year's annual ASH meeting. First up, we hear from Marina Konopleva, who discusses IMGN632, an investigational antibody drug conjugate that has shown efficacy in combination with venetoclax and azacitidine in AML models.
1: So this was a preclinical study where uh, uh, my lab looked at the combination and efficacy of the anti-CD123 uh, antibody drug conjugate um, IMGN632 with the standard of care is, uh, uh in AML models. Uh, as we know the venase is a highly efficacious therapy however uh, it uh, overall survival in the randomized phase 3 study was only 14.7 months so we have been looking for combinations that can increase the activity of this uh, doublet and or uh, increase the longevity of the response Um, cd123 is highly expressed on aml including aml stem cells and uh, on the majority of aml subsets and has been long identified as a potential targets for therapeutic interventions. Uh, the single agent IMGN632 has shown efficacy in patients with uh, AML and the, the relapse refractory setting, um, and also in patients with uh, BPDC and the rare entity that has high levels of c 123 In this particular study, uh, we have uh, compared the efficacy of uh, VanAza, uh, IMGN, or triple- triple combination in the AML cell lines uh, and also the AML primary derived xenografts. And we show that the combination is uh, synergistic in several cell lines uh, that we looked at uh, uh, with high induction of cell death and um, induction of the DNA uh, damage with several molecular markers uh, associated with response. Uh, uh, Most importantly, in four different uh, patient-derived xenografts of AML patients, um, the combination was uh, clearly more efficacious than either of the um, VanAza or IMGN632 alone. And uh, most importantly, it was also effective in uh, two different PDXs that had uh, resistance uh, and did not respond to Venase alone. Uh, this suggests that this, uh, the, this combination has a potential for translational um, therapy and, uh, in fact, the clinical trial that is testing this particular triple combination is already ongoing in the relapse refractory AML patients. Secondly,
0: we spoke with David Salman, who updates us on the use of megrolimab plus azacitidine in treatment-naive AML patients.
2: We present um, updated results really at this time focused on uh, AML patients and in particular P53 mutant AML patients. So the combination both in the total cohort as well as in P53 mutant patients um, led to a response rate in about two thirds of patients with between 42 and 45% true complete remission rate with nearly all patients having some level of, of blast reduction and really, the quality of remissions is quite robust with, you know, about two-thirds of patients being transfusion independent, um, a high percentage of patients having complete cytogenetic clearance, and by a very sensitive multiparameter flow cytometry assay, about a third of patients having MRD negativity. The responses occur quite rapidly. Median time of response is about two months. And um, I think, importantly, these responses are durable. So particularly, Particularly when we look at overall survival and we now have, you know, 47 P53 mutant AML patients. That's as large as I would say any cohort, you know, larger than the Bialy cohort as an example for P53 specifically. Although follow-up is short with the median follow-up of five months, the median OS is nearly 13 months. And I would say in a in a elderly p53 mutant aml patient population that's as good of a survival that's been observed in p53 mutant aml patients and given a lot of patients are still you know censored early on treatment um this overall survival may further improve and despite you know the standard of care changing with hma venetoclax i think these data are exciting to the point that they really support um uh, a phase three trial that's going to launch of azamigrolumab versus Uh, ASA venetoclax for P53 mutant AML. I think a little bit more broadly, we did have 16 patients with wild type disease. Their median overall survival with a more mature follow-up was nearly 19 months. Um, And so I think this is also favorable. So I think there's a lot of interest in testing mogrolumab more broadly throughout AML, particularly for triplets in the wild-type patient population, with an IIT that is um, is, is active and uh, you know more uh, concepts going forward specifically in that patient population, both likely as frontline and in relapse refractory patient populations.
0: Finally, Naval Dava talks on the use of gilteritinib plus venetoclax for patients with relapse refractory FLT3 mutated AML.
3: Unfortunately, we won't be in person this year at the ASH uh, meeting, that's just the way things are right now with COVID, but hopefully we will all catch up in the near future. So uh, there are many interesting clinical and translational abstracts of this year's ASH, especially for acute myeloid leukemia and myelodysplastic syndrome, Uh, many of those also coming from our center here at MD Anderson. One of the trials that I'm presenting that uh, we are quite uh, encouraged by is a combination of venetoclax with uh, FLT3 inhibitor giltritinib in relapsed refractory FLT3 mutated acute myeloid leukemia. This is actually a multi-center study that is being run by AbbVie and uh, Estelas. And the study was designed mainly to look at relapsed refractory FLT3 mutated acute myeloid leukemia, including both ITD and or TKD mutated AML. And the genesis of this study is that we do know giltritinib has high-efficacy response rates, CRC rates, of about 50% in relapsed refractory FLT3-mutated AML. But when you look at the median survival with single-agent giltritinib, it's only around nine months. So although this is still a major breakthrough and a very effective targeted therapy, we wanted to improve on this. Now, there's a lot of preclinical data from a lot of groups, including Marina Konopleva, Tony Leta, and others showing that venetoclax, when combined with FLT3 inhibitors, including gilteritinib and quizartinib, induced synthetic lethality and very, was very synergistic. So that led to this combination. The inclusion-exclusion criteria were basically any relapse refractory FLT3-mutated AML with either ITD and or TKD any salvage status was allowed. Uh, we had uh, patients between salvage one and five, median number of prior salvages was two. And one of the other important aspects of this study is that differentiates from single agent relapse refractory because guzartinib study was in the landscape today when this study is being done, most of the patients have received a prior FLT3 inhibitor meaning that with induction, they're receiving either Midostorin or sorafenib, And so 70% of the patients in this study had received a prior FLT3 TKI, and when you compare that with the admiral gilteritinib phase 3 study only 12 percent of those patients had received a prior flip 3 tki because those studies were done many years ago before the approval of mitostorin so we think that the population that was in this study the combination of netoclax giltritinib is actually a more difficult population more prior flip 3 inhibitor exposure more advanced salvage and as expected most of these were intermediate or adverse cytogenetic patients median age of about 70 years The study did include a ramp up where the venetoclax dose, as is done per label and we have done for all our clinical trials, was started at a low dose and ramped up over three or four days. Giltritinib was started at the standard dose of 120 milligrams. We did look at different dose levels, and we found that the 120 milligram of giltritinib given daily continuously was quite safe, along with the venetoclax dose being ramped up to the standard dose of 400 milligram. So we are going to present data here on about 42 patients who received the giltritinib 120 plus venetoclax 400. This was the recommended phase two dose. And the key endpoints here were to look at safety of the combination, especially at myelosuppression. And then of course efficacy, which was assessed using CRC, which is composite CR, very uh, exactly matching the response criteria that were used in the Admiral phase three. So we could compare between these two studies, single agent gilt versus Van Geert and see if there was a path for the combination. Uh, what we saw is that the CRC rate for the Van Geert combination was very high, 86%. And this compares favorably to the similar criteria for CRC in Admiral where it was 52%. Now, one thing we do see is that when you look at the true CR, CRH, so CR with good amount of count recovery, it is only 20% in the Venn Gild, and a large amount of the remaining 60% responses are CRI, MLFS. I think this is partly because of the advanced salvage nature of the patients and partly because these patients are getting a combination. What we are seeing is that over time, a lot of the CRIs, MLFSs, are starting to recover counts, especially when we build in venetoclax interruptions and as needed use growth factors. But nonetheless, seeing a high CRC rate of greater than 80% was very encouraging. And even in people who had a prior FLT3 inhibitor, we see that the CRC rate was actually exactly maintained, 84%, indicating that we could overcome resistance to prior FLT3 inhibitors with induction, which is very important in today's FLT3 landscape. Well, the other important thing was duration of response and survival the follow-up is early but it does look very very encouraging with the median survival not yet reached in the relapse refractory flit 3 itd patients we also looked at the survival among patients who had a true CR versus CRH MLFS, and it's quite interesting to see that even the MLFS patients do seem to have a survival benefit compared to non-responders. It's not as good as the true CR, but there does appear to be a survival benefit, and I think that's because a lot of these are being associated with FLT3 PCR clearance. Uh, We also looked at FLT3 PCR clearance. This is becoming a major area of assessment to see if these responses are truly deep, and what we're seeing is that about 50% of the patients we're achieving a molecular clearance, which is defined as less than 10 raised to minus flip FLT3 PCR. This is kind of the standard assay that's been used nationwide at this time in most academic centers. And when you compare this to giletritinib single agent, the molecular clearance rate was 25%. So again, seeing a doubling of molecular clearance rate, almost doubling of the CRC rates. Survival is early, but looking very, very encouraging. Now, one key thing is with safety. And what we are seeing is as expected, there is more cumulative myelosuppression so now with these subsequent cohorts, we're going to be using shorter durations of edoclax 21 days in cycle one, if a patient achieves marrow remission, and then for subsequent cycles going down to 21 or even 14 days based on count recovery and allowing longer duration between cycles. I think with that approach, we will see more of these CRI MLFSs become complete recovery. But all in all, this seems very encouraging. The study is ongoing. There are plans to move to a frontline approach, either with a triplet, Ritnib or potentially even the doublet, and these should start next year. And I think for FLT3 mutated AML, this could be a very, very important study for the near future.
0: If you have found this podcast useful, please leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast app, including Apple, Spotify, and Podbean, so we can continue to deliver expert-led content to you. Follow us on Twitter at vjhemonk and join in the conversation. And finally, don't forget to visit vjhemonk.com for all the latest updates in the field.